0: Even with my glasses on. (laughs) Well, good morning. And uh, if you have your booklet, can I encourage you to turn to page nine. If you don't have your booklet, it is on the website. Uh, Just under the tab, you can find the big picture. Um, I really do want to encourage us all to bring these and to be going through what we're looking at um, going to do a little bit of writing on the board not on this because I'm hoping we're drawing our own painting on there we're going to write on this, this board here just some key things just to map just where we're at so we can hopefully track where we're at. Um, I just want to read Hebrews 3, verse 1. And this isn't in your notes, but I just want you to hear the words. It says, Therefore, holy brethren, do you know you're holy? You know you're a holy people. You may not feel holy. You might not do acts of holiness. But the Bible says, if you're in Christ, then you are holy. So he's talking to you and I. Aren't you grateful that God doesn't necessarily treat us the way we see ourselves? But he speaks to us the way he sees us. And this is this whole reality is coming into the reality how God sees not what we see or what we think. Our sight must be defined by what he says, not what I feel, not what I think, but what he says. So he calls us this morning, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling. Consider Jesus the Apostle and High Priest of our confession. Is your confession that you, one, are holy, and two, that you are partaking of a heavenly call? Our calling is a heavenly one, which means it's not an earthly one, correct? So if we're looking for our purpose on earth, we're looking in the wrong place, correct? Because our calling is a heavenly calling outworked on earth. But if we're looking here for our purpose, which so many in the body do, then we're not entering into the heavenly call which God has, which is an eternal call which defines life on earth. Can you see how you could be in two different camps? Can you see you can be in two different kinds of people? same family members both holy but one is looking for their purpose and their calling on earth thinking it's earthbound instead of actually looking where the bible says set your mind on the things above and then find what's above and then live on earth two different very two different realities but sound the same don't they so where are you finding your calling what are you, where are you looking guys are you looking up or down Are you looking at yourself or are you looking at him? Set your mind on the things above where who is seated. If you don't know who's seated up there, we're all in trouble. (laughs) Where Christ is seated, and the Bible says that you're to fix your eyes, meaning the eyes of your heart, not your natural eyes on Christ who came from heaven to earth to speak of a heavenly call that the church would partake of, his Father's heavenly call. So heaven came to earth for earth to be ministered into the earth. Heaven came to earth so heaven would minister on earth through the holy ones of God. Which means we all need to see the same thing, correct? There isn't multiple visions, there are not multiple purposes for the church, there is one. How that one purpose gets out work, sure can be different. How we reach out can be very different from a rise in the street, the hope center, but we're all attaining to the one thing. We're not doing 5 different things. Because we're one body, correct? There's one body, one head. There's not multitude of heads and there's not a multitude of bodies. But unfortunately, in the church, there are, and that's why you get division, and that's why many people don't know what this actually thing is, because we're actually looking on earth, not in heaven. The Bible says that we have been set in heavenly places, doesn't it? So we're actually supposed to be living from heaven on earth, because heaven is to be in the vessel. So the mindset I have is to be the mind of who, Greg or Christ? And if I had the mind of Christ, then don't I think like Christ and live like Christ? Which is a life, isn't it? It's an eternal life. It's not a temporal life. It's a thriving life in Christ. So Christ in me, me in Christ. My life reflects Christ because we're one. So this is the prophetic reality promise for you and I to live from, not towards. Too many Christians are waiting for heaven instead of actually ministering heaven on the earth. And you're missing it. So you're missing your part in a partaker of a heavenly calling because heaven is to be made in you, formed in you. The kingdom of God is within you. It's supposed to be formed and built in you, so then it comes through you. And if you're just waiting for him to turn up, not live in that, because you need to be in both, then you're missing your partaking of a heavenly call, your inheritance, your identity. And at the end of the day, you may be no different from a non-Christian. Only difference is you're covered, they're not. But you can't minister the kingdom of God like they can't, because you don't even know it. You can't minister something you don't know, correct? You can only live out what you know and who you know. And we are to know all things, correct? So we're to be the people that have this divine, eternal wisdom. We're to be able to see into things that people have no idea about. Yes, we're going to be unique. Yes, we will be called aliens. Get used to it. It's part of who you're called to be. So I want to write up four things, and these four things are things that we've covered so far. Age to come. We've talked about we need to be in godliness because godliness is profitable for this age and the age to come. There's an age to come. We must be aware of the age to come, not just this age, because we've been called to minister and reign in the age to come. There are roles and responsibilities for the church in the age to come as well as this age. And it says godliness, not forms of godliness, godliness is the key for this life, the age to come now, and the life to come in the future. So we need to know what godliness is and not just be forms of godliness where we just go through the motions. That's very easy to do. It's called religion. And it's called the institutional model that just keeps you like on a tread like a mouse going round and round and round but nothing's really happening apart from you're exhausting yourself. Okay? So there's the ace to come. We've talked about the predestined finished work of Christ. That's a cool word, isn't it? Predestined finished work or testimony of JC. We've talked about hearing and what spiritual hearing really is, not natural hearing. And we've talked about what spiritual faith is. And all these are of the same kind. So if you've been tracking with this Holy Spirit, you'll know we've covered these things. And I'm hoping that you're in the spiritual life of these things. So I'm hoping that you're hearing spiritually, not just hearing naturally words coming out of my mouth. My hope and my prayer that I pray for pretty much every day is the church are seeing what you're hearing because you're hearing of an unseen reality and then seeing of something that's in the unseen coming into the scene. My hope is that you realize that everything is finished already. Like, we don't have to work anything out, it's already done. We just have to hear and see it. See how there's no work in that? Like, we're not trying to do it, we're actually being shown it. So, it's going forth from heaven, from someone who's carrying heaven and speaking heaven into the earth in the hope that the church who is to be of heaven are hearing and seeing of an unseen reality, but it's living in you and it's real and it creates the life and defines life on earth. So you're not living for the things of earth, you're living for the kingdom in Christ because of the things you're hearing, receiving and seeing. So you've been unhooked from earth, anchored into Christ. And you have all the life that you're in of Christ within you and that just comes out of you. Because what's coming out of you doesn't come from what's visible. It comes from what's not visible. Hebrews 11.3. So just like creation was created from what's not visible, you are being built by what's not visible. Because you're his creation. God doesn't do two things. He does one and the same thing. So if the natural creation came out of what's not visible, Correct. And you too then are coming out of what not's visible, but you're visible on earth. Because touch me, you can touch me, can't you? You can give me a handshake, you can feel me, but can you hear me? Can you see my inner realm, him? No, you can't. You just see the outer, but you get to experience the manifesting of the inner that comes out. But you need my inner. But I can't give you my inner. But the Holy Spirit can. So my role and other people's roles and our role is to speak forth of my inner testimony. All I'm doing is not teaching. I'm testifying of the Jesus I know in the hope that you'll all get your own testimony and we'll be one. And when we're one, we're powerful because we move as one. We don't go that way. We go this way. Okay? So these are the things we've covered. And (laughs) whether it's good news or not, I'm not sure. But this is just the framework to my picture. So we actually haven't really even started talking about the picture yet. We have, because we've been talking about it for 10 years. And here's the dichotomy, here's the tension. This has been discussed here since 2010. This has been available for 10 years now. We're on to our 11th year, okay? But this four things is the framework for this beautiful picture that's going to have a piece put in it today, It was ballet. <laughs> and that's what we're going to look at in our manuals. So this isn't just a book. This is food. If you treat this like a book, then you'll get the response of a book. If this is food and you eat, then you'll be changed. Well, you asked me to eat the book. Yep, eat the living word, the bread of life. Because all this and this is the same thing. But I'm going to bring this to life like I bring that to life because he's shown me to the measure I'm in life. I won't go beyond that boundary for a protection for me and you. So I will live and speak within the framework of my revelation, which safeguards me and you. But if my framework enlarges, then I speak of that because that's revelation. And as the Bible says, it's a safeguard for both of us, so I don't talk something that's him thinking it's him when it's not and you hear me thinking it's God and it's not, and you believe and we all both get led astray so that's the protection around don't speak outside of your boundary of revelation because it's not living it must be revealed so in your notes it says let's look at the end from the beginning, who knows what Isaiah said in Isaiah 46.10 anyone tell me it's not there Someone yell it out. God is the God who declares the end from the beginning. Let's not look at this thing. Let's look let's start at the beginning, which is the end. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Look at the end before you look at the beginning. Yeah, that's right, because if you know the end, then your beginning is defined by your end. So you never get lost if you know the end because you can see it. So you walk the straight, narrow path. You don't do this with your life. Hurt, heartache, brokenness, hurt, heartache, brokenness because I'm all over the place. Why would you want to do that when you can do straight line from A to B? Why would you want to spend 40 years in the wilderness when it could have taken you 11 days to get from there to there? Because you were stubborn stiff-necked hard-hearted and didn't believe anything that was spoken when it was spoken even though you saw miracle after miracle after miracle and God proved himself time and time and time again you still were stiff-necked hard-hearted and thought you were right because it says there's a way that seems right to you but it ends in death and yet God's love covered them while they were in the wilderness didn't they? but unfortunately A whole lot of them never entered into the promised land that God had for them because of unbelief. Then the writer of Hebrews says, here's a warning, church, don't be like them. So that means we can be like them if the warning is don't be like them, correct? So don't be like those who have gone before you. Come to me and learn because I have much to show you so you and I can enter into the fullness of why I gave you life and you can glorify me. Which is the reason why I gave you life, not to glorify you. Sound like a cool plan? Maybe? It means you've got to lose your life. You can't come with you can't bring any of you. You can't bring your dreams and all you think is going to be your life. Your life has to be lost, left, and then laid hold of a brand new life. And unfortunately, the church wants to add Jesus on. He's like the add-on. He's like the handbag that we tack on to our side, and then we say, Jesus, can you bless my life? And he goes, Mm-mm. So good, sometimes I do, but not for the point of blessing you, the point of realizing how good I am, so you actually lay your life down for me and others, and so you'll be a blessing for me. And really, that's the wrestle that's been forever in place since God created man. But a man or a woman that chooses to hang on to their life, unfortunately, won't receive all that Jesus has for you, because he can't give you life when you're actually rejecting life. And it's no different to a non-Christian. How can God send non-Christians to hell? He doesn't. They send themselves there because they reject Christ. Well, it's the same for you and I. If you reject the way of God, how can God bless you with his inheritance when you say no to it? He gives you what you ask for. You say no, he says okay. So a yes must be yes, correct? Isn't that what it says? Not a yes, no, yes, no. Not a double-minded man because they receive nothing. So this is a framework into what we're going to look at. So God, Isaiah, is the God who declares the end from the beginning. If we know the end, we are to live in alignment to God from the very beginning. So if you want to know how a story finished in a book, where would you look? In In any book. In the library. Oh, you'd hopefully found the book, Warren. (laughs) So, you found the book in the library. <laughs> so, if you wanted to know how that book in, ended, finished, where would you go to? The back of the book, that's right. So, if you want to know how a movie finishes, hey Kirsten Blythe, you fast forward to the end. Don't watch your movie with her. Oh, how's it finished? I've got to figure it out. Well, it's the same in the kingdom. Okay? If you want to know the end from the beginning, You go to the back of the book. Now the problem is, I'm not sure about you, but one I got told not to preach from the back of the book years ago because it didn't build the church. You can't talk about the book of Revelation because it's full of scary stuff that we don't understand and everyone runs away from it. The only problem with that wisdom, which is not wisdom at all, is the book itself says, blessed are those who heed, read the words in this book because they will receive the life. And the problem is we're looking through the wrong lens, so we think the book is about nasty stuff and it's a book about the revelation of our Messiah and everything contained in the revelation of our Messiah. And the stuff that we think is all horrible and nasty probably makes up about that much of the book. But we, of course, because we live from fear, make that much, that much. And the thing that's about Jesus, which is this much, we make it that much. And so we avoid the book at the end that defines our entire lives on earth. And we call that wisdom. And we wonder why we're not part of a heavenly calling. Because we're not looking at a heavenly calling. Our calling is earthly, and we have no concept of the age to come. Now, the other problem was that the early church did, and the early church testified of the age to come. So what you see when you see people selling their houses and what we call living radical Christianity that we've tried to copy over the years is the early church knowing that their calling was heavenly, knowing they were seeing, and I'm not talking about in Acts, I'm talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the early church. How far back do you go? Abraham saw a city, did he not? And the builder was God. Okay, so we're talking every saint, every holy one that has started from the beginning of creation to now that the Bible speaks of saw what we're hoping to see, and we're joining them like we're catching up. Okay. And so where are you looking? Because if you don't know what's at the back of the book through revelation, not information, that's the other thing. We try to understand the back of the book without the inspiration, the illumination of who? The Holy Spirit. And yet the Bible says the Holy Spirit is being given because man cannot know Jesus without the Spirit revealing Jesus. So you come up with all these theories Then we try to figure out when it's all going to happen, and everyone's been wrong so far. So then you've got to come up with another theory and another theory and another theory, and then the world are looking, look at these bunch of clowns, man. They profess something, and then they live something entirely different. It's called hypocrisy. But God is not a hypocrite. Sometimes we are. And so God needs to arrest us. So if you want to know... The entirety of God start at the back of the book. How many people have read and spent time in Revelation? And I don't mean just read it once. I mean live in it. Because what's at the back is at the beginning and the middle. You see, it's not just at the back of the book. It's the entirety of the book. So to not know the one that it's written about because we're not here to find a book we're here to hear about the testimony of the one who is the word who the book testifies of so I need to know the person because it's all contained in the person because the book is the revelation of Jesus Christ so if I know Jesus Christ I'm knowing all things and you and I have been invited to know God Just a little thing. (laughs) Cool. Like, if you wanted to know God or Jürgen Klopp, Liverpool's manager, which one would I pick? Now, Jürgen's a cool dude. He's got us back at the top of the table. Bless the Germans. We love them. But it was an option between meeting Jesus Christ and Jürgen Klopp. Now, we're all going to go, oh, we'd all pick Jesus, but are you picking Jesus now? You don't kid yourself. We love to kid ourselves, eh? Are you picking Jesus now? Think about where you spend your time. Is he your number one? It's easy to say, oh, I'd pick him here, but look at your life and it will tell you what you're really choosing. And so if you're choosing you and others over him, do you ever think you're going to understand and come into this? No. You're not, guys. It'll be passing you by. It's going out, but it'll be passing you by because you're actually not hearing what's being spoken you're only intellectualizing it hearing it and you're not seeing it so you're really still deaf and blind and that's okay because love is covering for the purpose of turning but it's not okay to live your entire life that way because you're gonna get to a point in your life where you're gonna stand before him and he's gonna say what did you do with what you heard and there's a reward It's called him, and ultimately being married to him, which is not a given because you pray a prayer and invite him into your heart. That's very clear from scriptures. So we're all betrothed to him, but he looks for the faithful, obedient ones that did something with what he gave, correct? Hence you have 10 virgins, 5 and 5. So what is at the back of the book that is so critical for every follower, disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, let's go. Open up the book. Revelation 1, 1 to 3. And so often it's this whole thing, "Hey, what's the purpose, what's the purpose, what's the purpose? And you go, man, how many times do you have to tell the person what the purpose is? Well, until they hear it. Until you hear, until you hear. The purpose has been going out of this house for 10 long years. So I'm praying you are being apprehended by the purpose of all those who God foreknew. He predestined to be what? Overcoming. Nope. What does Romans 8 say? See if we don't know this we're probably not knowing the purpose which means we're not entering into it because if you know the purpose you'll be able to speak and tell me what the purpose is, correct? So God said that he foreknew you and he has called you for something and you don't know what it is then you're outside of it because you're living for what you know but you've been called, predestined chosen before you ever chose you for something greater than you. But if you don't know what that is, then rationale tells me you won't be living for it because you don't know it. You don't live for what you don't know. So what's his purpose? Romans 8, 28 to 31 tells you clearly. It's like everything in the Scriptures. It tells you, all the questions we have, This this tells you. But because we can't hear and see it, we, we're asking questions that we already got answers to. So it says, I... What? Conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, is that just what? That you're going to grow long hair and a beard and olive skin and walk around in cool clothes and lay hands on people? Or is that you're going to have as inner realm then you're going to move in his power because he calls you brother. He calls you a son as he's a son. And 1 John 4, 17, 18 says, like Jesus was on earth, you're to be like him. And he holds nothing back against you and everything for you that you can become that very reality because he was fully God but fully man but did everything as fully man. So the example is Jesus Christ was fully man on earth. And did not call on his divinity for anything he did. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He emptied himself and became in the very form of man so man could see who man is supposed to be in Christ. Which takes out all the excuses around, but that's Jesus. Eh, wrong. That's kingdom of darkness thinking, justifying yourself out of who you've been called to be, but you don't even know you do it. So like Warren said, we have been called to be overcomers, not overcome. You know, we're not called to be victims. We may start as a victim. You may have been a victim to the world and the people in the world, but when you come to Christ, he wants to heal every broken heart. He wants to release the captive out of bondage, and he wants to set you into a brand new life where you are the demonstration of Christ on the earth. You are to be healed, overcoming, and living in the power of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, what's the point? What's the point of just staying broken your whole life? That's tough, isn't it? Always struggling. Always up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. No matter what's happening, emotions and what's happening in the earth. Mate, you're like an out of control person. You're always on the whim of something else. You're always bound to whatever's happening is Trump going to get in? Is it Biden? Oh, my goodness. It's coronavirus. It's this virus. It's that. It's, you're just like a pinball instead of being able to stand firm like a house and resist and go, i got something in me greater than everything outside of me. That is the mature church. Now, there's a time for that other stuff, but I don't want to live in that my whole life. I want to enter into what he said I can enter into. And so Revelation 1, 1 to 3, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants, the things which must soon take place, and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. We're just going to break this down to chunks. If we get to Revelation nineteen 7 and 9, it'll be a bonus because there's so much in that too but as I started to just marinate and meditate there's so much in here that we've already covered what's written did you hear that one a few weeks ago if you don't know what's written what don't you have All right, what was the key word what do you need to know what's written All right. faith because faith sees what's written But what's written is concealed from you, isn't it? So what's written is concealed from you. So you need faith to see what's hidden, concealed. Otherwise you're just reading a book going, I don't have a clue what this is. And you come up with the book of Revelation is all about bad times, not good times. It's the hopeless rather than full of hope. When I read Revelation, I'm full of hope. Like I don't see death, doom and destruction. I see hope and an opportunity to be hope and we're going to look at this and see, here's the thing it says that the bride's going to get herself ready that does not mean get loaded up with armour and get yourself ready to combat everyone that's going to come at you to destroy everybody, does it? do you know that's what people do? I'm going to protect my property and me so I'm getting trained so when you come on my property if you're coming against me to nick my stuff I'm shooting you man that's what Christians are doing. I know some of them. Now that does not mean if God says plant a little thing here, plant a thing here, because that's all going to be a resource. But that's not even just for you. That's for everybody. So you can be a little haven in bad times, which is now, isn't it? This is what we're supposed to be now, not when it all happens. See, we're all about the when and not the why, because we're so fleshly And we read all this through the flesh because it's concealed and we come up with this stupid stuff and we put his name on it because other people don't know and it sounds good, they believe it. So then you've got all these people getting ready and no one's getting ready spiritually. So if the example is they come to kill you and the example given is but the other example is Which is flesh and which is spirit? We've been looking at this guy, haven't we? Do you know he never learned anything from the rebuke in Matthew 16? What was the rebuke in Matthew 16? And why did he say, get behind me, Satan? Yep. What did Jesus say that caused Peter's reaction? I'm going to the cross. So Jesus rebukes you in love, and you don't learn. Because in Matthew 26, what's happening in Matthew 26? He's in the garden, and what's happening? He's going to the cross again, because they've come to fulfill what was written in Zechariah all this time. So it's, I'm going to die for you Peter by the way and you need me to die so I don't know what you are getting them away for but anyway I need to die he doesn't hear anything and he's now it's being at work because the guards have come to take him and what happens the same behavior in Matthew 16 anyone relate to that pattern here I am again why am I making spices and preparation and doing all this stuff works for Jesus and I'm empty. And then the angels say, why are you looking for the living one amongst the dead? Why are you trying to enter into spiritual life through eating natural food? Can you see the pattern? And Peter didn't learn anything from the rebuke, the correction. His inner realm was still his. So he's got no idea about this. Here. He's got a vague understanding in his mind because they were taught to a year the scriptures, but it was all intellectualism, which is why he's anti-Christ in the moment, correct? Like he's obviously not in the living law, the spiritual law, because his behavior is opposite to what the law said, just like Saul and Paul just like us. If you don't know the word, spiritual word, you'll be living opposite to it. Your life will be the opposite to what a life looks like who knows the spiritual word. You're no different. I'm no different to anybody else, correct? Like it's not you get a grace card because you're special because you've got blonde hair or dark hair or born in this country. No, we're all the same kind, needing to go through the kind of way, which is crucifixion, to enter into the life. So without it, you've got no clue what this is. At best, all you'll have is a mental understanding, and it, you'll forget it the next week. Like, I'll ask you the questions, and you'll go, what? You'll look at me like you're looking at me now, blankly. <laughs> and it's cool because we're being loved, but look, I'm t- I'm, I'll be honest with you. We need to get this, guys. Like this needs to become the most important thing in our lives because it is number one. So I... I, I <sighs> Thank you for everyone that's been sending me the word that, you know, this thing that I'm trying to, but it's it's in the Spirit. I know it's in the Spirit. It's like this reality where we're unaware, but the Holy Spirit's trying to bring us into something, but we're still unaware. And that's what last Sunday was about, was certain people going, I'm being made aware, man, I can't enter into this. Like, I'm done. I've got no way of understanding God and God's way. All I've got is intellectualism. And that's not going to cut it. That is not going to get you ready. That gets you preparing physically for something that you need, a spiritual preparation to stand. Because let's be honest, you might be able to shoot two or three people, but when the whole army turns up, you're going down, aren't you? You know, If they align the the tank at your house, (laughs) well, there goes your bunker, mate. It's gone. So it's got nothing to do really with physical preparation. It's about spiritually getting ready for something that's at the back of the book. But it's in the entirety of the book, and it's the context to which the Scriptures are written. This really starts to ask you, what Christianity have I bought into? Like, the gospel, what gospel have I really said yes to? Like, is it the functional gospel, or is it the fellowship gospel? Like seriously, you really need to ask yourself, what gospel have I actually received? The man-made one? A little bit of the Jesus one? Or is it the whole counsel of God that defines an entire life now and in the future for the age and the age to come? Because it's so critical because it's going to define everything and who you are as an individual because everything comes from the unseen. So what is made here has come from there. What you see here has not come from here. It's come from the same place. And no one's special. But hunger and thirst determines a lot. So let's break this sucker down. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God the Father gave to him, the Son, Right there is a pattern, isn't there? If the son needs to receive from the father, do you think you're any different? So the question then becomes, where am I getting my knowledge from? Is it the same place Jesus got his knowledge from? Flesh and blood cannot reveal this to you, Peter. Why? Because it's concealed from flesh and blood, and it has to be revealed by the Spirit. Father, Son, or Spirit must reveal what's concealed. So if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Word of God, needed to get everything He knew from the Father, He couldn't access it any other way. Are we any different? No. So you're going to know where you're really at for where you get your food source from, correct? It then says to show to his bondservant. Who are the bondservants? Where to be a bondservant. Not servants, bondservants. If you don't know what a bondservant is, go and look. Because it's different to just a servant. So, he's showing to John, the disciple, it's shown. What are you learning right from that? Full stop. What are you hearing right now? Yep. You can't work it out. It's given. It's called an operating system, isn't it? The operating system of heaven is the Spirit gives, the Spirit reveals. If Jesus is not teaching his own truth, but has been given from the Father, and then the Holy Spirit is not speaking his truth, but he's been given it from Jesus. It's Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. So a man or a woman in the Spirit must receive from the Spirit and teach from the Spirit, correct? Because that's the pattern. If you outside of that pattern, you get nothing. So it has to be shown You can't enter into this stuff through trying to understand, through learn, through the human brain. And I've said this myself for ages, like you either hate that or love that. Like you've either come to the place in your life where you go, thank you, because I've been trying for so long getting nowhere, or you're still not liking that. I'm sure I can try a bit harder, because I'm more smarter than that symbol and I've studied, and I've got this and that. None of that works, man. Trust me, you're trying to go against the operating system of heaven. Why would you do that? Seriously, why would you? Because the heart condition is still full of something that we don't like to acknowledge, but the evidence is it is, because if you're going the opposite way, and you're being Peter, going the opposite way. God's covering but he's going, what are you doing? It's that way. And he's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you come into life. Because while we're going the opposite way, there's no life. It's logical in the spirit, yeah? So this is what he's saying. So he showed to John the things which must soon take place. Well, how soon is soon? Hasn't happened. I can chill out. <coughs> it's been 2,000 years. I mean, when's it going to happen? So maybe it's not for another 2,000 years. So I can just chill, man. <sighs> See, in the spirit, it's there. In the flesh, and then even the context that you're given of Jesus being patient. We love to say this a thousand years is like one day. Do you know what the context is for when we say that? Well, you just like throwing it out there because it makes you excuse not looking. i got all the time in the world. Really? He has. See, there's that tension again. I mentioned this last week. He's outside of time. He's got all the time in the world. I haven't. Like, this is a decaying suit. Yeah, Everything in the natural is not going up, it's coming down. (laughs) Thank you, Petra. Our days are numbered. So the flesh suit's dying, but the spirit is eternal. So he wants to do an eternal work in your spirit. But you know what? When the flesh suit dies, there's no more work in the spirit. You're going to get what you've what he's done in your spirit. Time's up, gone. You can't like, oh, wait till, no, 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 no. Because the time is coming, it's now. That was 2,000 years ago, church. That wasn't like yesterday. That was 2,000 years ago. The time is now to have Christ in that wasn't in so you can know, so you can live. Everything's now. There's an urgency now because like we're looking at the earth which is on a set time scale because it tells me in Hebrews that the earth and the heavens are going to be rolled away but their word lasts forever so earth is perishing I mean the whole I won't even go there and so we have to wake up we have to be aware because John's communicating the Spirit so John. So John, what's the key word in, in this passage? What did John do? He testified. You know what happens when you see? You don't teach. You testify. Greg, are they different? Yep. Similar, different. He started to testify of what he saw. He's not seeing here, is he? Seeing in the Spirit. The man had faith. He had hearing. God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, is showing him what you're looking at that's written. Understand how you need to see what's written, not try and understand what's written through your mind? If the way is God showed John by the angel, spirit, 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 and the spirit shows you what's in God, and you're trying to acquire this through human learning, you're the complete opposite to God, and you will get the fruit of that. So if you sow to the flesh, you will reap to the spirit. No. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap to the flesh, and flesh is destruction, correct? So if we're to be the overcoming people who are thriving in life and we've been in Christ now for some time and we're not, we're probably sowing to the flesh. Now, does anybody want to turn from that today and start sowing to the Spirit so I actually can start thriving in Christ and lay my life down for God and others and start getting on board to God's eternal purpose, which is a heavenly calling, which is now and the future. It's an invitation, isn't it? So who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus. Now Revelation 19.10 says what? It says that the testimony, what Jesus has finished, is the spirit in, one, in which one prophesies, speaks. Don't think prophecy is just this Tests, in two years' time, you're going to be doing this. I'm prophesying right now. Every time you speak, you're prophesying. Prophecy is foretelling a future reality in God that already exists. That's all it is. Let's not paint it up to something that's not. Prophecy is foretelling. You're telling. You're sharing because you've seen it. You testify. You're sharing it. You're giving testimony of what is in God that's happened that the other person doesn't know. But you're living from it. That's a position of real power, isn't it? Because you're getting ready for something that's coming, aren't you? So you're ready now? Are you ready in and out of season? Like when things turn up, are you you ready to move? Because you're ready. Or you're like, oh, what's the scripture verse? Oh, my goodness. When the question comes, can you answer? Not because you're smart here, because you can answer intelligently and not enter into the kingdom. I'm talking about answering from here because you know it. It's not you're answering the question, you're testifying to the work That the question is asking. And you're like, whoa, man, I'm in Christ to a measure because I know him. So John is just prophesying the testimony of what Jesus has done. He's done it all, everything is finished before it ever began. It's all concealed. John is being shown it. He turns around and he speaks and he writes. For who? The lost world? No, the people of God, that the people of God wouldn't perish because they lack knowledge, but they've got knowledge, true knowing of everything in God. So their lives reflect that, which is us. And what a privilege it is God chose us 10 years ago to speak this into the earth. He could have gone anywhere else, but he said, rock people, I want to speak it here. Do you want me to speak it here? Because I'll go somewhere else if you don't. But it will get into the earth because it's my word. And I'm preparing the people for my own position. Do you want to be at rock people? And so we've been looking at this stuff, but it's all concealed. And the only way in is through being revealed and being shown it, which takes me out of their question as far as my ability and strength, but then repositions me in a heart of humility to go, you need to give it to me. Why do you think he does it that way? What can't can't I do if I figure it out? If I can't figure it out, what don't I do? Claim. I got it. So God hides it because he knows the heart of Greg Simnor. And if Greg Simnor figures it out, whose glory is it going to go to? Hey, I've got something you don't, but you need it so get out your money my ministry i'll make you pay for it it's freely given i don't care it's my ministry whose ministry oh that winds me up man i get angry righteously how dare you charge and make sordid gain out of something that's not even yours that's been freely given you and you want to charge We won't go there because I'll get angry. (laughs) So God protects me from me. He protects you from you, from concealing it, so no one can take his glory. But then once you know the way, what does he want to do? He wants to give you his. Right? he wants to give you his. (laughs) Glory. So I don't share my glory with another. I reposition you, then I give you my glory. Because now you're positioned, because now you know the way, and now you're not in an opposition, and now you can't build your own empire, call it the church and its institution, and lead everyone else there. So he's freeing us from the institutional model so we can live. So he says this, The testimony of Jesus, even to all that he saw, blessed is he who reads. Now here's the thing, reads to me means eat and drink. Because I can read this and come up with nothing. I come up with information, but I haven't had any revelation. And so I hope you can hear what I'm trying to say. Jesus said, didn't say, read my flesh, read my blood. He said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. So reading is eating. When you read, you are actually marinating, you are eating, you are drinking, it is partaking of Christ. You are eating, partaking of him. Now, if you partake of him through revelation, you see what he sees, because you imagine Jesus eating him, you're getting him in you. Now, he is the unseen one, isn't he? So, he was not made with what was seen, just like creation wasn't, like we're not to be. So, he's the unseen one. When you partake of him, eternal food, you have eternal life. If you just eat natural food, you get natural life. So, man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, because it's living manna that God has sent from above to have. Are we tracking? And so it's not just reading through the intellect, as good as the, good as the intellect is, if it's not renewed, it's actually demonic. And you'll have demonic wisdom, thinking it's wisdom, but then when you go to live it out, like James says, wisdom is the demonstration, live it, you go, and your behavior is something different. And this is our challenge. And yet in this book of Revelation, there is... Promises galore. So it says, Read and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it. It is written. It is written. Isn't that what Jesus and the adversary are going up against? So the adversary comes. He knows what's written, Jesus knows what's written. And there is a spiritual war going on right there, isn't there? So darkness and light are going hammer and tongs. And they both know what's written. Do you? Like if the adversary knows what's written, but he doesn't have revelation, he just knows the words. This is how he hoodwinks you. So he turns up and he goes, it also says that you'll throw yourself off and the angels will go pick you up. Now, if you don't know context, revelation, you're going, does it? He must be right because I don't know. This is how he deceives you by lying to you. He uses the words to hoodwink you because you don't know the word. But Jesus knew the word. He said, no, it also says, do not what? Test the Lord your God. He's got revelation and the context of the revelation." which the enemy doesn't have he's smart man so if your own flesh isn't entangling you then he will come and he will throw things at you not necessarily all scripture because he might just say if you are the son of God Mitch then turn that to bread, I know you're hungry because where's Mitch been Mitch is now Jesus, where's he been He's been in the wilderness. How long has he been there? 40 days. Pretty hungry after 40 days. So Jesus comes out of the wilderness full of what? Hunger or power? Oh, that's interesting. Because what's he been eating in the wilderness? Who's he been with? Because the Spirit led him into the wilderness. So he's been partaking of what? What food? Heavenly food, which is unseen. So he comes out full of life. And the enemy thinks he can get him because the enemy thinks he's hungry. Yeah? I know you're hungry. Are you really hungry? Well, I'm uh, going to try this one on. I know you're the son of God, but he tries to throw that one out there, doesn't he? If you are the son of God, do you think he knows he's the son of God? Yeah. Okay. So he will always attack your identity first. Okay? That's where he goes. Do you know who you are? Then he's going to attack function. And this is what he's doing right here. So he goes, okay, I do know who you are, but I've got to somehow try and get you. In your weakness, because I perceive that you're hungry, but you're not, but I perceive you are. So then I say, well, I know you're the Son of God, so the Son of God, you can do miracles. Hmm. Okay, so turn the stones to bread and feed yourself. What does Jesus say? Man does not live on bread alone because he's been eating spiritual food. So he doesn't, one, need to do the miracle because he's not hungry. Here, what I'm going, he's full spiritually. Okay, but then what's the enemy trying to do? He's trying to get him to go outside of whose will, his Father's will. So if he can't get you on identity, he will get you outside of the Father's will, doing works that can be perceived to be good. Because wouldn't it be amazing if Jesus actually did the miracle? Of course, it would be, because it's all about the miracle. How amazing is the miracles that the Father ordered the miracle. Because that's all that really matters, isn't it? If the Father's not ordering them, you don't do it. No, we do, because we're all about the razzmatazz and all the cool stuff. If the Father's not ordering it, you don't do it. Because God only empowers who he sends, not because we see a need. So all this stuff goes into the picture of knowing who he really is, not buying into stuff that you've heard through people that may or may not have really known who he is, thinking they do, but you've got to walk in this alignment. Otherwise, there's no life, guys. It's just forms of godliness, and John is screaming something that is written. It's written. It is written. You can know it. You can know it. You can know it. You can know it, but you can't know it without me. You can't know it without me. Peter, why don't you know what's written? Why have you got your sword out? Why are you chopping off ears? Because you don't know what's written, son. I tell you, son, you're going to deny me, but you say no. You say no, you say no. I'm telling you you're going to deny me. I'm telling you this is written. Zechariah wrote it down. It has to happen this way because it's written, because unless it happens this way, none of you can come into the life I have for you. So, don't resist me, deny me, reject me, justify me, and use my name to do it. Because you will get the fruit of you. And there is a massive breaking that's needed. I needed to have it in me. Every human being does. It's called the will, and it needs to be demolished so then there can be a building and a blessing. But man, we want to skip that process and go straight to the blessing. And he's going, guys, it's time on that to come to the realization that it's bigger. You can lay hands on the sick, raise the dead, and still not have any life in you. That is Peter. He walked on water, he cast out demons he still denied the Christ when he was asked for his life, yeah? So John is signaling something here. I want to read you Revelation twenty two eighteen, 18. And then we'll call it. Revelation 22, 18. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. What do you have to be able to do? Hear the the words, the word that sits behind the written words of the prophecy, prophecy is God foretelling the future that we can know it now. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. That's pretty serious, eh? Look at Revelation 22.10. He said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Greg, don't preach from the book of Revelation. Now, I understood at the time, the person didn't have knowledge, and that's... Same with me. At times I haven't had knowledge of stuff, and there's a covering, yeah? But if I'd listened to that and been persuaded by that, then I'm outside of the blessing that that says. Because it says, don't do that. It says, testify of it. Because the end defines the beginning. It's huge, isn't it? to not know the end. If you're a runner and you don't know what race you're in, like if you're a 100-meter sprinter but you're in a marathon, like you finish after 100 meters, yeah? You're wondering why everyone else is still running. You've gone home. You've had your shower. They're still running. And you're going, a bunch of idiots those guys all were. Look at me, man. i got my TV, got my pro- my protein shake. I'm in my ice bath. You're even built differently, aren't you? There's not too many long-distance runners that look like sprinters. Sprinters tend to look like me. <laughs> Come on, man. Gee, that was, that was a bit of a like... Thank you, they do. Better legs. Much better. But think about the image. A long-distance runner are very thin. A sprinter is built like a tank. Muscles pumping because all they've got is 100 meters and they finish. We're a long-distance runner. It's about a greater endurance. And so it's not one's better than the other. It's like, do you know the race you're in? So if you know you're a 100-meter sprinter in a race for 100 meters, then you build in accordance to the race and the finish. And you look like it. Sound like it, behave like it. If you're in a marathon, you look like it, sound like, build towards it. So what race are you in? Because we're all in the same race. Like you do we don't have ten races here, we have one race. And it's set before you. So once again, if we've false started our race and don't know it, what do you do if you have a false start? Yeah, you can be disqualified and you need to start again. Go back to bed. bed. (laughs) (laughs) And if you don't hear the gun going off, what are you doing that says you're disqualified? You're still running. Which means you need to hear a sound that goes, hey, that may have been a false start. Come back. Come back. Has all that been wasted if I've had a false start? No, because now you have a reference point for the true start. So it's a day to celebrate. It's not a day to get all down and out about yourself and say, what a waste. No, no, it's an opportunity of overflowingness to enter into something I was always destined for. And so next week or maybe tonight, if you come out tonight like this, I'll preach 1979. 9. Because this is too important to only have 25 people talk to and then not have anyone else really listen to it. So I'm in a bit of a wrestle to what we're going to do tonight because it's critical that we get the next passage defined by the first passage because it talks about getting ready. And we all got ready today. Ladies, you look beautiful. Men, you look beautiful. And we all took time to get ready. And yet spiritually... Mate, we can be like whatever so Lord as we unpack some of these questions for the next 15-20 minutes I pray you bring revelation upon revelation upon revelation upon revelation open our ears and eyes to hear and see you all I need to know is you it's the revelation of you And all these things are concealed in you. So if I get you, I get wisdom. I get knowledge and I know how to live. Amen.